I'm as baffled by this conflicting evidence as you are. His prints are all over the crime scene. The TV footage puts him 60 miles away. He can't have been in two places at once. You know me. I didn't kill that kid, Ralph. Do you see how strange this is? What would make someone do such a thing? He didn't do it. I have no tolerance for the unexplainable. Well then, sir, you'll have no tolerance for me. Answer me this. Do you think Terry Maitland killed that boy? If he didn't do it, someone else did. Someone else did. Someone else did. Hello, and welcome back to Castle Rock Critical. Yay! Ooh. I'll cheer for myself. Yay! <laughs> uh, we are cracking on with our coverage of HBO's The Outsider adaptation with the latest episode, KVNA El Coco, and we get some serious... El Coco. Say it like you mean it, El Coco. Yes. Uh, and we get some seriously creepy stuff along the way uh, with a bit of a bit more backstory in this episode. Uh, so today I am joined by Len from all the way in the Upside Down Under. Good day, mate. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, Lucy's here with me in London. Mm. I say, jolly good show. And I'm your host, Emma. I'm mm. not going to do an accent for you yet. Keep your eyes peeled. Uh, so we will be running through our usual structure for this podcast. We're going to talk about overall opinions, do a deep dive into the plot, and then head over to King Corner for our Easter eggs, if there are any, but differences, and then following up with some listener feedback. Uh, so I'm going to kick this one off with Lucy. What did you think of episode four? And please, can you give your blueberries and an explanation of the system for anyone who doesn't know how it works? Okay, um, this episode for me was a slight dip in quality, I think. Um, I enjoyed it still, but... There were aspects of it that I thought were a bit rushed and it didn't feel like it belonged in a show of what I see as this calibre. We will get onto it, but yeah, I think some of the chopping and changing and the leaps um, in sort of storytelling, I I thought were a bit jarring. Mm. Uh, So the Blueberry Scale, for those that don't know, we judge what we review out of blueberries so zero blueberries would be the worst five blueberries would be the best and you can't have halves and the harshness and fairness of this scale is kind of what has been tormenting me when i think about how to rate this episode now me and em actually did what is commonly known as doing a len yep in that we watched the episode twice. Yeah, we did. We, Emma came around, we watched it again. Yeah. We did kind of talk over Good. it a bit. Prepared. But, yeah, very, very well prepared. Very organized. Well prepared. Um, so I'm going to give it a three blueberries because I can't give it three and a half. Mm-hmm. Because there was just aspects of it for me that I thought in another show it wouldn't maybe have stood out. But because this has gone, it seems to have taken its time with the story. There felt like there were moments that were rushed for me. Um, they were jumping about and yeah, we will get onto it, but it, it wasn't quite as satisfying, although there were aspects of it that I enjoyed. So yes, that's a three from me. Thank you very much, Lucy. Um, Len, what about you? Yeah. So, um, I think I've given every episode so far a four mm-hmm. and I'm going to continue the trend <laughs> of fours. I'm going to give this one a four as well. Um, because it does some really creepy things that I absolutely loved, um, especially towards the end of the episode. Um, I think last week we noticed that the show, like we said, turned from a from a from a sort of crime aspect to a monster of the week sort of aspect, where they're now trying to hunt down this creature and and we're trying to get little looks into what this creature actually is and what it's doing. Il coco, um, <laughs> and. Uh, I actually fucking really enjoyed some of that stuff. Like my biggest downside of the episode was I I feel like now we're getting too much Holly and not enough Ralph. Um, Mm -hmm. And I did miss Ralph this week, actually, because I think Ben Mendelsohn's just been awesome. And although I love Holly because I do, I think she's great as well. I want to see them working together a 
bit more. Um, if you get what I mean, not just yeah, over the phone, no, I do. which is kind of what we're getting at getting at the moment. So I hope they sort of unite at some point, and I'm sure they will. Um, but that's probably my only disappointment. I like the stuff with Glory. I like the sort of the fallout, this grief that this monster that we talked about last week likes to feed upon. We get a bit of a confirmation on that this week. Uh, and I like the stuff with Glory. Uh, we didn't see her kids again, which I think was a was a shame because they're creepy and they scare the hell out of me. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that it's still not hit a five Blueberry episode yet. But for me, this show is very, very good and very consistent. And uh, I like the pacing. I like the editing. I like the weird jumbling of sequences. Like there's a point in it, which we'll talk about where... Uh, Holly's going to Rikers Island and you just see this guy this like moustache did moustache big guy and I was like is he is he going to kill Holly is he on his way to kill Holly is, is he being sent by the monster and then you realize it's the granddad yeah, of the bartender a, woman good. yeah it's one of my favorite parts of the episode actually was that sequence yeah and, and it's yeah and it's like how they edit the episode together it always has me guessing what's going on and I, I really enjoy that because it just it just makes you say, hey, take notice of this. Is this now? Is it then? Well, it's a bit more mystery um, box you know, again, it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I um I really enjoy that. So for me, yeah, great show so far. Another four. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a five in there, as I've said before. But you know, very very consistent. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually like this episode. Um, I enjoyed the flashbacks. Uh, it, it's you know and there were quite a few Mm. of those both in kind of more recent time and further back it is diverging from the book storyline now so um actually i quite enjoy that and we'll talk a bit more about that in king corner but i overall the tone of the episode the music um i i really enjoyed there were a few kind of corny things that happened like security guard andy and you know i i you mentioned liking liking the scene with glory len i hated it um but it was it was still good it was intriguing um Mm. opening up the box of kind of what el coco does uh, not so cheery Uh, (laughs) yeah i think he's referred to as el cucho uh in the book which is like you can't really say that as um joyfully as coco uh sounds scary it sounds a bit like cujo a and like yeah cucaracha which is cockroach which is also not nice not as good as chocolate um but i liked opening up like Mm. what what El Coco does to victims and families, it's dark, it's twisted, it's, it's fascinating. It sounds like a hot chocolate drink. It's just, <laughs> it does I, I sound like Spanish hot chocolate. hot chocolate drink does to people. Um, <laughs> we'll give it a new name at some point. Um, I, I mean, yeah, so I said last week that this could be the five blue episode, didn't I? Um, Ooh. Unfortunately, it did not quite cut the mustard, um, so to speak. Short-lived. Short-lived. Um, who knows? Maybe it'll be next week. I'm sure we'll get one. It'll be halfway through the season. I think we'll next get week. One. Uh, I think Ralph will be in it more for the ones that oh we get. Oh God, let's hope. Yeah. Exactly. However, it, it was a decent episode. Um, I've got to admit, and I was kind of flitting between where you guys both are in in terms of scores. But I think, actually, having just talked about it, it I, I agree with you, Len. I think it's a four blueberry for me. Um, maybe just mm-hmm. a four blueberry, but we don't grade them. A four is a four. That's the thing. No. You can't halve it. A so four I have is to a four. Go. It doesn't no. matter. I just for me, I don't think it was the level I'd give a three for, for me personally, and we all score things differently um, because there were things I really loved. Uh, so, okay, not, I'm not bad exactly. scores all round. Very good scores. Hey, uh, anything over a three is good. Yeah. Just remember Above that. Above average. And this show's averaging from everyone a four. Yeah. So let's just yeah. say that's very good, isn't it? Very, so yes, very well good. done show. Good <laughs> well show. Well done. Yes. Well done. Um, well, so before we dive in into the plot, I think it might be time for a little advert break. do Hello, it's the advert break. It's time for us to hawk our wares to you. Uh, Castle Rock Critical is part of the Fan Lovely Critical wares. podcast family, uh, where we do loads of really cool stuff. Uh, you may have heard our coverage of HBO's The Watchmen, which was, oh, sorry, Watchmen, uh, by our very own mm. Three Minute Men, uh, which was fantastic coverage yep. and an amazing show. Uh, we do lots of other stuff, Game of Thrones, Westworld, which will be coming back soon, Stranger Things, Star Wars, yep. movies. Uh, and speaking of movies, 
movies, we will shortly be recording and releasing Ooh. our Oscars predictions Ooh. podcast. Yay. Yay. Oscars. Feature length. Feature Love that length. podcast. That's always that's always a good it's one, isn't gold. it? Yeah. Um, yeah. To get most of us together, usually all five of us, but pissed, we're not sure this time, might be four of us. Um, usually we're quite drunk. Um, the hardest part about that podcast is just having to watch all the films. Not that it's a bad job I'm because they're through. all Best Picture nominated. Um, but it, let's just put it's a lot of homework. It's a lot of trips it to is. the old cinema or movies, as the Americans yeah. might say. To the flicks. and uh, To the flicks, yeah. Never heard that one, but pictures. okay. And um, yeah, pictures is very English. We'll go with that. And uh, yeah, we're getting there. We've seen quite a few of them now. And now it's just a matter of getting together having some laughs, having some drinks, and then we decide to have this little game format, don't we, Emma? Where oh, we, we do indeed. We, we all pick a winner, and then at the end we announce who the obviously most knowledgeable person in the podcast is. Which is never about me. Films. If it's been me no, and No, you're always last. Hasn't it, Len, I think? Yeah. Yeah, correct. I think yeah. Last, yeah. Year, yes. last year I believe I nailed best picture and then got everything else wrong. Yeah, that's mental. Yeah, um, I mean, so you know, I feel like that, that was almost that an accident. Is mad that though. you called that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I yeah, feel like that accident. was a fluke. No offense. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't believe Correct. that that was insight. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you guys want to tune Correct. in to hear me make terrible predictions about movies, even though I do and a podcast a yeah. about TV and film, then yeah. um, follow us on social media. You can get us at uh, fan underscore critical on Instagram, at fan critical pod mm. on Twitter, or just fan critical on Facebook. Uh, or you could even. Get in touch with us and support us on Patreon. Uh, so we do have a Patreon where we ask mm. you to support us and help us make even more fantastic content for you. Uh, and the information on that, uh, Lucy will give to you right now. Yes, so it's exciting times over at Patreon Fan Critical HQ. Yeah. Um, we've got more. We've got more. They keep coming, the Patreons. Yay! They don't stop. Keep them coming. The most exciting of all, coming. we've got an elite blueberry. First of his name, oh, first of his kind. The first of his name. Chris Mayer is an elite blueberry. Go, Chris. Yeah. So welcome, Chris. That's so high, for that's being an elite stuff. blueberry, that's... Chris gets to commission his own podcast. Yes. Tell us what to do. So basically, if you want a piece of this action, you go to patreon.com forward slash fan critical. You don't have to enter in at the elite blueberry, you know. There are other tiers. You've got junior, where you get mm. access to cast it. You've got senior, where you get access to cast it and the opportunity to chat to us on discord and yeah then above yeah, that you could join big boy chris yeah and become an elite blueberry so he yeah. is having a think about yeah. what he wants to commission um and yeah so he will tell us to what off. make it a wise choice yeah do a wise make choice. it a wise choice do lord of know? the rings no you don't have to do lord of the rings it's fine oh my god i do lord of the rings i could can you imagine? I'd be here for years. Yeah, so so maybe do do that. Um, <laughs> so that's exciting. So we've had <laughs> so Chris is an elite blueberry. We've also had Scott Mesler, who's a senior blueberry. So he's going to be chatting oh, to us. Shit. He's got the opportunity. And also, absolute curveball has been thrown by Michael Causey. Now he's been a junior blueberry for a while. He is upgraded yeah. to senior because he just loves it oh. so much. Welcome to the senior ranks, my friend. In, so he's in the senior. senior We've already action. been having a chat, yeah? And he's given us some good ideas yeah. of what to uh, to cover. So if Perfect. you want some of this, if you want this praise, you can see how, how much this means to us. Yeah, get over to the Fan Critical it does Patreon mean a lot. and subscribe. Yep. And we are going to be doing a lot more chatting on Discord. So we'll give you some updates on that a lot more in chatting on the Discord. coming weeks. But yeah. Yeah, and we're also going to be, uh, as we said before, and if you missed it last week, we're going to be making the Discord. So if we aren't around, which we will be, obviously, of course, because we we're on Discord quite a bit. Someone's always but around. If we aren't around, there's there's going to be the 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 chat for all the Patreons, just solely the Patreons, so you can all chat to each other, speak to like minded people, just talk about uh, how good we are, really. Yeah, discuss praise. Talk about how good we are. Obviously, who your favorite. We, is. we see it all. Yeah. Yeah, we see it all. So we'll see all that. But it's more like if you want to chat about like the outsider and we're not around uh, and we're not on Facebook or whatever, then you can chat to other people and they can, you can bounce ideas off of each other. Just you know, build theories, a nice community you know? of all these like-minded people yeah, a little community. great taste. Yeah, guys, so check it out if that sounds like something that you might like. Uh, and speaking of chatting about the outsider, that's perfect timing for us to go and dive straight into the plot. To go and chat about the outsider. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So we open up episode four with a flashback to the allegedly murderous assistant from the care facility having a breakfast date 
as mm. if that's a fucking thing. Um, I it was is a uh, thing. Is brunch? Well, of brunch is a thing. Well, in a diner. Yeah, that's true. In America, yes. Also not true. Yes. Um, I love I love this sequence. Uh, the way it's shot and sort of the use of sound and just how sinister it is, and then it goes into the title sequence. I was like, oh fuck, that's creepy. It was just I know I know it's into a creepy breakfast. Like <laughs> it I is love a creepy pancakes, breakfast. But the way that's yeah, the way that syrup was being poured on those pancakes and what sh- what the creature which we find out was doing with those eggs. It was, was like, what yeah, like, doing to those eggs. The eggs was weird. It was almost perverted, if that makes sense. Didn't it make you feel a bit dirty? Yeah, it was like it, it, yeah, it made me feel dirty. He I was, was like, like, what's going oh, on here? You're dipping bread into eggs. Like, yeah, where have you been? That's what you do with egg yolk, isn't uh-huh. it? Yeah. I was like that's called the soldiers, mate. Yeah. Get your soldiers, yeah. dip them in, dip like, them oh, in the yolk. Dip in the yolk. Yes, that's the whole point. I, um, do you know what, actually, and then you mentioned this about like as an opening. One of the things that I really like about the show is the way that it fades into the titles. Yeah, that's really good. I yeah, love really it. love that kind of like, it's almost Uzi. weird, oozy, cerebral kind of thing. I really like that. Rorschach-y type. Yeah, there thing. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, so it was an opening. I think we're all pretty happy with it then. Yeah, it was good. It's one of those things, like you yeah, said, Len, you're kind of like, what am I seeing? Well, it makes me really makes you exactly. have to think and work, mm. and you know who he is. Who's that? Why are we seeing this? What does it mean? Like it does. But test it always your brain. pays off. Yeah, they do. It always pays it. off in the episode. Yeah. Mm. So then we jump back to present day, where Holly is giving Ralph a call in the middle of the night, clearly, uh, to update him on the mm. connections between Heath and Terry, and then she decides that she's going to go and follow the receptionist from last episode. Uh, which unfortunately earns her a face full of pepper spray. However, she does get in to speak to her, which is a bit of a shock, all things considered. So once she gets over this eye drama... Uh, so strange. I just, I mean... She's just like, yeah, I thought you were a man. A, Don't touch your eyes. Like, rude. you have just made someone. Like, I know she was following you, but... She is cold. It's, and can our listeners advise whether or not it's legal to... Like have mace in it in I America because it it's not legal here. You can't just have mace. I yeah, think it Americans is. Americans can carry. I think it I is. know they can carry like... guns legally, but I bet well, they've got a problem with pepper spray somehow. It'd be interesting. Write in and tell yeah. us. Um, so she talks about. <laughs> so after the eye drama, she talks about her friendship with Heath. Um, how much she struggled to accept that he'd actually committed the crimes, despite all the evidence, his vacation, conflicting eyewitness statements from two different places. This is sounding familiar. Uh, so I imagine that we're all pretty confident we're dealing with the same situation as with Terry. So if it is some kind of creature, dark force or El Coco or whatever you want to call it, how do you think it chooses its victims, guys? That's a good question. So, um... I think circumstance. Yes. Um, it feels very random at the moment. Um, but it also feels like the person that they choose has to be going away somewhere. Um, like it might research or canvas these people, um, realise they're going on a little trip and then assume their identity for a time when they're not occupying the same space. Mm. It's not stupid, I mean. is it? Um, no, it seems like it's cunning. It knows they're going away, so it's got a little window to operate um, without them being without able them to be seeing, seen as a, yeah. as, as a duo. Yes. yes. Or the, the, the original seeing the double and then that creating exactly. some kind of yeah. madness. Black hole in the universe. Paradox. Yeah. Um, Paradox. The universe collapsing. I think this yes. is something I was going to bring up later or something I mentioned to Lucy while we were re-watching it earlier. Uh, do you think that the outsider also takes on their memories um, and their knowledge as well? Must do, yeah. I think, I think, I think the weird thing about it is, I think they do because it 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 knows. I think when Terry Maitland approached the little boy, he said something to him from the van mm. or something, um, and I remember that, and I was like, okay, and just the way he he talked to the guy at the strip club, he knew yeah. who he was. Um, so he must have known the boy and known so, that the boy knows him, and that he's not really going to protest going with him. Yeah. So I mm. think. It doesn't and make any sense if they, yeah. doesn't, if they don't, if the doppelganger doesn't know, like, well, it needs to also know awareness. where they work. Yeah. It needs to know where they work. It needs to know where they Live. usually hang out or something so they can be seen afterwards. So they can get caught. So, uh, yeah, yeah okay. I think it knows or it knows something. Good. I'm glad we've cleared that up. That was my opinion too. 
<clears throat> so this is interesting. So we move on from here. Um, and Len, you said he really enjoyed the scenes with Glory. I actually thought that these two sets of mm. scenes were pretty dull. Um, you know, they're there meant to show like how intrusive the world is for someone who is in her position, the widow of a child murderer. So versus a reporter posing as a homeschool teacher. And then there's some aggressive douchebag in a restaurant later uh, where Ralph actually steps in to save the day. I'll tell you what's funny about this. Um, why are they all going to dinner on the same <laughs> night? Like... Like, I the think fuck? there's only it's one restaurant town. in town and it's probably Friday. The cops, oh, the murderers, the horrible people. They're all just there. <laughs> it's, just the, it's just the hangout. Just... It's either there or the peach crease. Like, come on, where it's... are you going to go? Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. they're going there afterwards. I was up. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, having... it's, it was right. funny when you just saw um, Ralph and what's his wife's name again? Don't know, I can't remember. Just like peeking out from the corner. I was like, of course Ooh. they're there. Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah. I, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. having said all of that, I, I didn't. I didn't particularly like these scenes, but I thought Julianne Nicholson as Glory is uh, was fantastic. Uh, she's she played that role really well. I just felt, for me personally, they were a bit unnecessary. No, I, I but, actually disagree with. But I think as a viewer, it probably is different because I know what's happening. I think with the I think the restaurant scene was unnecessary, um, but I think the insidiousness of what's happened to Glory, they could have just left it and been like, "Yep, husband's dead. That's that." But the fact that this woman like has Just tried to infiltrate out. her home to get secrets. Like there's no violence in that, but it's still a real violation. Yeah. And they're not just leaving the family of Terry Maitland. And it also makes you think looking back at the actual, what happens in the rest of the episode, they're still there. They're still alive. Yeah. I mean, the Len... grief hasn't eaten them. And I wonder why that is. Mm, nice, nice turn of phrase there, Lucy. Thank you. I mean, Len, what was the impact of these on you? Cause you really liked them and, you know, on you and I, and I guess viewers who are, Shamelies in this Shamely. scenario. It's just, just brutal, isn't it? It's just a bit brutal um, seeing how this has just affected her and the children. Obviously, we assume that they're going to die at some point mm. or um, mm. that, that, in theory, at least at least the mum might die. Well, and that's, um, more, that's compounded even more in this episode, isn't it, when we start to see yeah. more background. Yeah, exactly. So you're just getting that sense of, is this building towards a suicide? Is this building towards something terrible? Because that seems to be the way it's going um, and the way that Il Coco operates. <laughs> Il Coco. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I, I just like it for that. And I like uh, the actress playing Glory. I think she's doing a good job. Yeah, Julianne Nicholson's brilliant. Um, fair play to her. She's uh, she's she's smack on, smack on, smack on. Definitely a saying. Yeah, why not? Smack on her. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so then we go back to Jack, right? So uh, he's hunting again with his mangy old neck, and uh, he dumps the deer he's caught in a clearing. Okay, whatever. So off he goes to some big old retail store, buys a load of shit that makes no sense. Lamps, table hmm. lamps, standing lamps. lamps. Uh, Bottles of stuff. Uh, who knows? He dumps it all down by the yep. deer and then he leaves it and we get a nice lasting view of the gory half snacked on corpse of said deer. Uh, Len, what do we think is well, going on here? On, yeah. Okay. So this is the sort of stuff where sometimes Stephen King material falls a bit down in my opinion because it just feels so random. And it makes no sense. But what I will say is I think... Basically, the creature feeds on animals because we saw a little piggy like this before. A um, hog, the boar. The, some of us Jack, spotted Jack it, Len. Some of us didn't, you know. <laughs> yeah, correct. Correct. Um, and I think what happens is he uses someone to, doesn't clone them, but he uses, or it, Ilkoko uses someone to uh, get little animals which it feeds upon and then get all this like hardware together and it creates some sort of thing out of all the hardware that it uses to gestate itself yeah. into the person it wants to clone. Right. Which in this case is obviously as we've... Oh, actually, yeah, because there well, were sleeping bags and lamps. Maybe it's like a... Light. Not a terrarium, but what's the thing you put snakes in? No. A qu- no, not yeah, a terrarium. terrarium. Branch out, or some sort of little area. incubation. I'm going to... Yeah, that's the one. Area. Um, I'm going to clarify something here. This does not happen in the book. Um, so right, I am okay. baffled by this nonsense, quite frankly. But that yes, makes slightly more sense. I think it's incubation sense. time. Um, if, yeah, it's like it hibernates and yeah, turns into this thing. Maybe, okay, maybe that makes a bit more sense. Well, if you're but... familiar with like the Dracula story, he has his little minion, Renfield, who he, does. he gets to do stuff for him. So it's quite common to have you know, an earthly being to do your bidding. 
Um, but yeah. this scene... Yeah, Randall Flagg with, uses that quite a lot. Yeah. Uses, I mean, yeah. I say yeah, no idea, but you're probably correct. The sort of hardware and just piling stuff up in a clearing in a woods reminded me a bit of the show Dark. I don't know if anyone's seen that. We actually got a comment yeah. from yeah. our newest senior blueberry, Michael, who said he'd love to hear us chat about Dark. So I'm chatting about it very briefly here. It just immediately reminded yeah, me yeah. of that kind of things that shouldn't really yeah. be in the woods being there. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of um, Super 8, yeah. which is a completely different sort of film, which is an adult sort of E.T. Um, by J.J. Abrams. But that was where the monster just takes loads of items, like electrical items and stuff like that, and uses them to build some sort of spaceship or something. Yeah. And it kind of feels like that. It feels like small town America, grab all the sort of parts that this creature needs to evolve essentially into this into the strip club guy mm. well I, which is who his next target is. what i will say is that i wish we had shops like they have in america because if i could just go to one place and buy every single fucking thing i needed in a giant warehouse i would be the happiest girl alive yeah, so yeah. good so I, good i will say this australia australia has that it's quite mad yeah, these shops yeah. where they Keep just have everything it it's like what they sell that here yeah you mean so. i can get cheese and pasta i don't know why i'm thinking just the beige foods and a lamp and soil. Yeah. And, and deer. A, yeah. And Ooh. deer. Who well, knows? Deer. Maybe no. a guinea pig for a pet. <laughs> All in one place. Um, before we... What does the Germans say? Mischweinchen. While we're talking about dark, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Anyway, let's continue. Yes. Uh, before we go off into some mad shopping list in my head. Uh, so we head back to Ralph. So uh, in the show, let's do, let's do that here. He's just got another update from Holly. And uh, he decides that he wants to go and watch all of the footage from the peach crease yet again. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. He is mm. very focused mm. on trying to see Terry scratch someone after Heathgate, as I'm calling it. Uh, and he thinks he's nailed it. But Claude, when he goes to question him, says that nothing happens. Now, if you think back to episode one, I'm pretty sure we zoom in on their hands and he after they've shaken hands. And Claude is like, oh, a bit weird. He's been scratched. Claude is Claude. Hmm. Well, so my, my question, and, and Lucy, I'll ask you this. So do you think that Claude is infected or about to be doppelgangered? Or is Ralph having a bit of a moment and trying to thinking too much into things and trying to see them when they're not maybe there? I'm not sure, to be honest, because um, we find out, um, I guess, later on, that Heath scratched Terry. He went into work the day after the board, the the girls were yep. murdered when he wasn't supposed to be there, um, presumably to pass this on. So if Terry's going around trying to find someone to infect after murdering his victim, then potentially. And didn't you say that he had the tattoos and in, in the book? Yes. The figure, the outside, whatever. I now realise that was a massive spoiler potentially, but I think um, we've all got yeah. that by this point. Well... Yeah, and the, you know the other spoiler, it's not a spoiler, but the fact that it's Paddy Considine playing Claude, that to me is, he's not just a yeah, bouncer. Exactly. Yeah, he's not a bit character. He's not just, no. no. As soon as I saw him, I was like, right, he's going to pay a plot. Mm. Play, play, pay a big plot. I can't speak. Play a big part. And it's peas as well. <laughs> play a big part um, in what's to come. So, yeah, probably. And, and the fact that he doesn't even remember being scratched. But wouldn't, don't you need to scratch so hard that you draw blood? And why does no one notice this? Well, it, um, well, yes, I, I think that you do because we see it with. But Heath. I'm making assumptions. Hmm. It's interesting though. Hmm. It is. Len, what about you? You concur? Oh, it's definitely him, isn't it? He, he, yeah, I concur. I'll tell you what's silly though. Um, <laughs> Not just the name. Why of the is it? Is it, it? So targeting Heath made sense because. Uh, it's a different. He's come from a different state, right? And sh- the the creature knows this, so Heath is going to return back to Dayton. Okay. Mm-hmm. Targeting Terry Maitland is clever because Terry's going to head back to wherever they are. I can't remember for the life of me for some reason. Cherokee City, Virginia, or whatever. Well, Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. Georgia. Uh, so that made sense because it's giving itself distance, so these cases can't be uh, pinpointed. Doing the guy in the strip club, that sounds dodgy. <laughs> uh, scratching the guy in the strip in the strip club doesn't make any sense. No, because it's a small town. It's very close to and home, and it, it, it's it's very close to home. Shitting on your so own doorstep. The way doorstep, this creature mate. usually operates, yeah, the way this creature usually operates is to 
choose someone that is going to be leaving this area and it's going a good point, cross actually. country. I hadn't thought about that. So, um, so for me, it makes no logical sense. It makes no logical sense for the creature. Yeah, um, but it's confirmed later in the episode that he was scratched. So um, it seems like that is an option. It would be it'd be weird for me. It wouldn't make any sense for the creature's sort of modus modus operandi, the way it works. Mm. You know, it, it doesn't make any sense. So that's my two cents on it. No, I appreciate that because I hadn't really thought about that part of it. So actually, very um, very intelligent two cents, Lynn. Thank you. Mm. Uh, speaking of scratches Thanks. and care homes. Uh, Holly's new pal, the receptionist lady, lets her in the back door uh, of said care facility to go and see Terry's dad. She doesn't really get much because clearly he is very sadly suffering quite badly. Although he yeah. does have a moment of potential lucidity where he says something along the lines of, he didn't do it, he fooled you all, didn't he? Now, at this point, do you think he means Heath? Do you think he means Terry? Or do you think he means the outsider? Luce, what, what do you think about that? It's difficult because... Um, receptionist lady she doesn't have a name um, says to Holly that they didn't really have much to do with each other Heath and Terry's father like he he worked in there sometimes they're not they didn't seem particularly close but also they didn't even know Terry was dead last week so how would he know what had happened I mean I suppose he watches a lot of TV maybe he'd he'd seen it on the news that his son was accused of this heinous crime Um, and the same with Heath so I, d- I really don't know. I think mm. it's deliberately left ambiguous. And it's that thing of, you know, they you, you see it sometimes in horror films, mental health, like dementia or Alzheimer's, but people being actually being able to see the truth through it. But you don't know yeah. what, what they mean because yeah. their mind is seen to be so addled, but they've actually seen like... So it reminds me a little bit um, of City Spacek in uh, Castle Rock. Yeah, that's a good example. Um, And that sometimes age, so younger people and older people, puts you closer to, I suppose, like other dimensions or realities or things that, you know, people of a a middling um, position don't see. And it also reminded me, um, weirdly, a little bit, that whole scene, a little bit of um, Dr. Sleep. Yeah, same. Like just very odd, but I think I yeah. I think he means the outsider. I think he knew that when Heath came into his room to plant the hairs and whatever else he planted in there, that it wasn't Heath. Um, but he said he didn't do it, and the outsider did do it. No, but I think he meant Terry didn't do it. The outsider fooled you all. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, maybe. Then what do you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, something along those lines. It's just creepy though, isn't it? Yeah, it's just scary. It's just scary when <laughs> you hear stuff like that. Like he's gibberish gibberish and then it's like yeah he filed you all didn't he it's like what sorry <laughs> what you know just turn the telly you're just, up you're like, just saying that i was ple- he said i had all the kings a minute ago and now you're saying that <laughs> stop saying that um but don't worry everybody uh after this traumatizing scene because security guard andy is here to save the day yay uh luckily turns out he's a former detective uh, and he can get inside information for holly hold on though there's cash uh that is in return for dinner Mm. so the way he says that it's it's quite a good performance really and a good character because you think he's harmless but then I think there's something slight that you could sort of Mm. turn at any moment the way the way he says it is almost like a threat and then he like goes back on it because he probably realises that it it's come across a bit badly (laughs) Um, but I actually quite like them together yeah and actually I I think that their chemistry was quite funny because they're both really awkward and weird, um, but in a really lovely way. But they were quite comfortable together. Yeah, and but, I mean, Holly clearly decides that it's worth the risk mm. uh, of it potentially him being a lunatic. And uh, they go and meet in a bar. They talk a bit about some similarities in the cases. And, and one of those that really kind of gets hit on here, and I think it's the first time it's hammered home by a character, is the kind of snowball of destruction for the families of both victim and alleged killer. So like Heath's brother and his mother kill themselves. The victim's grandfather um, has a fatal stroke. Um, one victim's mother tries to kill herself. This had a really huge impact on me. Um, Len, what did you think about security guard? And it makes me think of bloody Toy Story when I say that. Yeah. Um, and Holly. Uh, I like it. Um, he seems like a sweet guy. I'll be sh- it'll be a shame if he turns out to be something sinister. I don't think he is. Um, no, I don't. I think uh, this is just a device for Holly to uh, show a different side of her character to us and show that she, you know, she is like we said, she is able to form these um, complex 
emotional relationships, which is something that we've talked about, like portrayed before that people suffering um, sometimes with this sort of, um, uh, you know, what is it like Asperger's and stuff like that? They're not able to form connections with people, but she is able to form connections with people. I think and that's, she's yeah, that's that misconception, well. isn't it? That they don't. Yeah, it's a misconception, yeah. and I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm not. Don't take me to say that's. Oh no, that's no, I was, I was agreeing with you in that you kind know. of. I can't believe you yeah. said yeah. that Asperger's yeah. people can't form relations. Um, then, that's just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> God, that's my takeaway no. from this podcast. Yes, damn, damn you, Hollywood. <laughs> um, no, so uh, it's nice to see her like open up to someone a little bit. You know. Yeah, so I like yeah it, it was nice. And I think she, you know, Cynthia Arriba is brilliant. I'm really, like, one of the films that I'm going to watch uh, in preparation for Oscars podcast is Harriet, which I... I really like her face. Yeah, it's a just, lovely face. Just, she's very captivating to look at. Mm. It's not just about being attractive, because, you know, Hollywood's full of attractive people. But when she's on screen, you just can't take your eyes off her. She's very compelling. Yeah, compelling mm. is, I think, the I word, really enjoy it? looking at her. Yeah. She kind of draws you right in, and mm. I, I find it's very easy to get distracted in a show. But I but find I am fixed, very yeah. She holds your attention. Very yeah, well. very fixed attention. Um, although having said that, afterwards uh, they have an awkwardly cute post date slash sharing hmm. of information kiss, which I found slightly uncomfortable, but also adorable. Uh, so after this, Holly goes and sits at the hotel bar, and she starts musing aloud to herself about how Heath and Terry could have possibly been infected, where it originated from. Um, girl behind the bar says something and a cube mad investigator rushing off to our old friend the receptionist house late at night to ask her about any trips that heath might have been on um <laughs> which so this is all a bit awkward rushed for me it is a little bit um because literally within seconds oh there actually is one he went to new york city in february um and he sent me a postcard of and the hotel that he stayed in and it said on the back just, i've met a girl this don't is where, tell mum. this is why i gave it three because i just thought like it's almost beneath the show. The show as I see it, just to be like, I mean, yeah, the the bartender. I think she says, um, "Where did he catch it from?" And she's like, "You can't catch murder." So, well, who gave it to him? And that that's good. Like the kind of oh, there might be more. Mm. But then for it to be so easy, like, do you remember him saying anything? Yeah, she sent me a postcard of the shit hotel he stayed in. It's not like it's the Plaza from Home Alone, you know. It was a bit. Here's a postcard of this. Oh yeah, I met, the, the met a girl. The only thing is, I. Uh, I agree that the postcard is lazy, but at the same time, if you look at the timeline, this is only like two, two and a half months ago. She's going to remember, like, February is not like eight months ago. So yeah, this happened in it's February. it's not the memory. It's He more... happened in February. Maitland was there in March. They're in April now, roughly. I think it's more the May convenience the of the postcard, not just, oh, yeah, he sent me a postcard from New York. That's fine. That's normal. Of this shit hotel he stayed in. It's just a bit like, oh, yeah. plot device. Yeah, I agree. That's a bit weird. I think Lazy. that but it's it... possibly because up until this point, um, actually the storyline has been relatively slowly paced. Yeah. And now it's really picked yeah. up. So now that things ramp up, it, it feels It's the jarring. Eureka yeah. moment. But it's the Eureka moment, which is always quite quick. It's that moment which is, wait a minute, maybe he caught it from someone. And then it's, you know, and then it goes in this quick spiral. It happens mm. in all these sort of crime or detective things or have a moment where yeah. like, wait a minute and then it's quick cuts and it's frantic and then you, before you know it you're in a different place you Watson know what I mean so um, I was it was okay it was okay I, I I like the idea that now we're going to New York as well because that's like a new a new setting um, I have which was quite interesting no strong feelings one way or the other actually about this thing I'm not really not really bothered frustrated me. um so then we find out from this, Holly goes off and does some investigation and we find out uh, the identity of Heath's breakfast date. And it is a lady called Maria Canelles. Uh, she has been arrested for the murder of a child. Uh, yet again, she was innocent. She had alibis, blah, 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 blah. So it seems like, at least for our purposes, we found something like a patient zero. Mm. Um and I, I liked this. I liked the introduction of that. I liked Holly going off to visit her. Um, so let's, you mentioned this earlier in the beginning, I think, um, Len, when she's on the journey over to Rikers Island, there's some kind of flashes to the other guy and the way these two timelines kind of intersect. Um, I really liked it. I thought it was really interesting. Who did you think this bloke was at the time? Yeah, honestly, I thought it was someone... Um being manipulated to go and kill Holly for, for investigating or something. Um, Interesting. Because that's the way it's, that's the way it's made 
to make us feel it's made to make us feel on edge you know he's making a journey she's making a journey Mm. at one point i was like is this guy gonna like ambush the bus and just fucking slaughter everyone like that's what it felt like um but then obviously we get the reveal a bit later on um which was which was excellently done very well crafted show no, agreed. Uh, we also get a flashback to how that breakfast date ended with what I've described as scratchy, sexy time. Uh, Maria gives... It was scratchy. It was. Mm. Drew blood. Yeah. Lovely. <laughs> you know, I mean, drawing blood, drawing blood, maybe a step too far. Nothing wrong with a little I scratch. I didn't know where you were going to go with that then. Don't draw the blood. you really got to go, go no. for it to no. draw blood. Oh, yeah. I would have thought. Yeah, 100%. Definitely. Ugh. Um... And, and then we get that kind of confirmation that the outsider or El Coco or whatever you want to call him is destroying families. El Coco. <laughs> I can't, every time cheerful. you do that, it just cracks me up. Um, so then we realise that this guy is, no, he's not out to kill Holly. He is the grandfather of the victim, alleged victim of Maria, who then shoots her father and her uncle who have stood by her complex relationships i think i got them right no yeah that was this hit me like a ton of bricks it really like for some reason it really affected me i think just feeling the grief of both sides of the coin of what el Mm. coco does to families just just Mm. really affected me i mean blues what about you i think what's What's most interesting about it is obviously we we find out through another bit of a convenient plot line that about El Coco such a it's just not I, I hope it's not going to keep being referred to as that it's too cheerful for what it is mm. um, <laughs> and it's you know grief the grief eater and Much it, and it causes um, all this additional pain because it feeds off it but really if you think about it. If you're interested in true crime at all, which we, I think most people are these days, it's rare that you would you would have something so horrific happen and then not be a fallout that that would maybe that cause true. some more death. So it's interesting. Like there's the the sort of dimension between it's a monster doing it, or you know, if your child's murdered, it's just cold dark reality. Maybe. Maybe you are going to try and shoot the person that did it. Maybe you are going to hang yourself because everyone's yeah. dead. It's not even like, oh, it's well, yeah. how did this happen? It's like it doesn't even not make sense. Mm. Like it, it makes sense that these horrific crimes would create, and that maybe that in itself is enough to create the grief that the grief. Well, and eats. that's a very kind of kingy and trope, isn't it? Is the line between supernatural and human? Yeah, um, yeah. It's a very thin, mm. thin line. Like, what's the true trod? horror? Like, does it really need to be a, a melted face demon when <laughs> these things could happen quite easily? Sorry, and what I found most interesting actually about Maria, yeah. because although I found the getting there a bit trite, um, like I think Holly says, she's still alive. Yeah. So how's that? And that was really interesting. Is that because she's a woman? Is it because she's too strong? Is it? I think what? it might be what something think? to do with God. She's too strong. Because she was like, I'm here for I, I a reason it, because God wants me here. Maybe it's belief. I blame God. Well, she said she said someone tried to kill her. So it's like the creature has yeah, manipulated someone to tough. try and kill her. She she fought him fought him off because she's she's like she said she's a good fighter. So that's the reason she's still alive. Yeah, maybe it's um, kind of just strange. I think, sure her, be I other think her faith as well because if we're going down the this is a demon route. I don't think it's a demon necessarily, but maybe her belief in God has well, kind of. I mean, let's let's talk a bit more about when we start hearing the story of El Coco because so before Holly leaves the prison, she's talked to Maria. Um, some random bird who's been visiting somewhere else leaves her a note, uh, and then she goes to visit her because obviously, and Andy. she tells the story about um, El Coco, the bogeyman, the outsider, the grief eater, and all his various other guises. One of the things that she talks Baba about, Yeager. yeah, um, one of the other, other things that she she says to Holly is, you know, do you believe in God? And then, of course, the other question is, well, do you believe in the devil? She said, I believe in devils, mm. you know, and maybe that that is the line. I, I think with Maria, it's very much about strength of conviction, whatever that conviction is, whether it's. Uh, you know that that she is innocent that she has faith that she will not be beaten whatever it is she is a different character and actually if you think about it terry was shot he mm. didn't succumb necessarily um uh, but heath did kill himself yeah 
So it, yeah, so only weird. because he was going to be killed. Yeah, only because he was going to be killed. He did. He he wanted to go out on his own terms. Like that's different. That's strength in a different yeah. way. To be honest with you, um, you know, um, I think, I think all three of these characters, um, I think Terry was unlucky. You know, he got shot. Right, there's not much you could you could do about that. No, like you know, the other ones in prison, they've got a bit of control. They had a little bit of control. Um, so I I think they've all got strength in them. These characters, not just her. So I don't know if it's a faith thing, but I'd be disappointed if it is strictly to do it's with just the fact believing that she, in God. She said like it was almost the fact that she's arrested. Well, she's in prison doesn't have the same effect on her because she believes that's God's will, and that if she's in prison, there must be a reason for it. Rather than being like, I didn't do, I didn't kill a kid. Um, like my dad and my uncle are dead as a result, mm. and I'm in prison now, gonna get shanked at any moment. She sees it in a different way. Like there must be a reason why I'm here, and that's the kind of that really differentiated her from. from it me. did really stand out, didn't mm. it? Um, I mean, not something like you expect someone to say, really. If you didn't kill a kid and you're in prison for it, to be like, no, well, that's God's, quite God's un- plan to quote unwavering Drake. faith, isn't it? Mm. I mean, so this is kind of like the culmination of the the last four episodes. Is getting to the end of this and being introduced or, or giving the monster a name and uh not necessarily a face but a personality and a backstory len did you do you like el el coco um are we talking now about the 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 scene at the end where um holly's just going through the internet pages and stuff because fuck me yeah i've done that before and and it's terrifying um you fall into a hole like when Mm. you start researching like mythical demons and stuff and this sounds bizarre but it's just like, you know, when Slenderman was a thing and it's like, Not okay, yet. I'm going to do some research on Slenderman. No, better do and some research. Just fall down this hole. Just have yeah. a quick Google yeah, 10 hours later frozen in the corner of a room with a um, laptop. And you sort of just fucking freak yourself out and you're just like, oh my God, what have I read? It's probably all bullshit. But then, you know, you just read these horrible little myths about how these people disappeared and these strange things that occur in the world. Um, and then you just the music at this point, and just the, the music setting, so good in this doing episode. it. it mm, I haven't really mentioned the, that. The bit. music really throughout the thing is fantastic. It's just this constant string, like this, like violin, viola string, just constantly moving up and ratcheting up. It's a really emotional and, or kind of emotion driving score, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember finishing the episode yesterday and was just like. Well, that's fucked up, and I wasn't feeling. And I put the tennis on afterwards because I was just. I just need to watch something that's completely different. Um, so yeah, I actually really like the end of it, and the pictures are creepy. Um, it just made me laugh how it's like got the pictures of all the stuff uh, that sound terrible, and then it's like il coco, yeah, <laughs> the worst of them all, the chocolate, <laughs> oh, the hot chocolate. Uh, the worst of the wall. I mean, also the hooded man. Like, well, yeah, I was just gonna say when it was showing the pictures of these other creatures just eating these children. I was like, fucking hell, this is blue. But then isn't we it? get a scene, and then it just showed the hooded guy with the kid who stole the van coming back and being like, actually, I lied. I did see someone in the parking lot. I'll draw it for you. Yeah, that's that made up. me laugh. Just yeah. the idea of someone saying, "Can you describe this person? Why don't you draw it?" And just what I would end up drawing. Stickman. Like, you, ha- you have to be good at art. <laughs> it's just if you can't draw, oh, it's just, just going to look laugh. like fucking nonsense. Yeah, I would just draw a stick man with a swirly well, face. Well, it did. His was quite. Good. It did look like nonsense, but at the same time, it's very distinctive, isn't yeah. it? What the kid drew doesn't matter what it looks like because the guy is so obviously, like you said, melty. But like, this def- melty guy that that the matter what he drew was going to look like something very distinct now his drawing and was good it just so, made me laugh the thought of having to draw someone <laughs> so that people could identify them just because i'm really bad at art it looked like the uh character drawings out of bob's burgers and uh, <laughs> i was like this guy works for bob's burgers he's in the animation <laughs> team but that turns out um yeah so that's episode four guys um Mixed opinions. Yeah, good but, episode. I thought, but lots of stuff to talk about, which is which is really good. Um, so I think it might be time for us to move into a little King Corner. I'm innocent, Red. Just like everybody else here. The house is burning. Hi, Georgie. I'm afraid I have a tendency to turn up the heat. Red rum. Red rum. You Hello, 
Stephen King Corner time. Here is where we talk about all things Stephen King, uh, book differences and Easter eggs, although they may be rather scant in this uh, particular adaptation. Uh, scanty. Scanty. So I'm going to start with Easter eggs. I'll be perfectly honest with everybody, both here recording the podcast and here listening to us in your ears. Uh, I'm really struggling to find any Easter eggs in uh, this adaptation. Yeah. The only thing I've got is quite a lot of kind of hints or or like links to Pennywise or it with the kids and that's pretty much it oh yeah um, and actually at one I point mean, they do call of... it it um yeah they literally it I was like are you taking the piss it. come on uh yeah I mean let's hope it's not Pennywise that'd be awful other than that I've literally got nothing from this Would episode and I've watched it twice so I'm hoping that uh our audience might so if you do there was one thing I yeah. noticed this oh um yeah. it's not really an easter egg but this is barrel scraping time but the images at the end that she was googling one of them really looked like their demogorgon from strange things no from something else of course yeah. it's strange things <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. just like the big teethies and the body yeah yeah that's de- like, demogorgon time demogorgon Len like, did you it. spot any easter eggs no just I, I, once again like you said that it references the links between children um, and not really. I've not seen. I've not seen too many references. Obviously, we spoke about Holly Gibney before, and how her character is its own version of that character. So, not coming from the Mister Mercedes trilogy thing, um, which is how I read somewhere, and this is me just doing a bit of extra research. But I read somewhere that that is how she um, believes in the supernatural. That is yes. why she believes in the supernatural. And then the, her character at this point is obviously. Uh, well versed in the supernatural well, so that's why her character um, of experience with some really yes. fucking weird, weird so that's shit. why yeah. she's sort of skewed towards this way exactly. of believing in like a demon whereas actually the character that we're introduced to is her own thing and we just have to believe that she believes in that anyway she hasn't yeah. had any personal experience with the supernatural so that's the only thing that I was thinking whilst this was going on um yeah so nothing in regards to that but if we have missed any easter eggs and, and there will be a feedback section uh, coming up you can email us at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com that's in the show notes um, and then let us know if we've missed any easter eggs uh, and uh, we'll hear from some uh, some listeners later on we will indeed um, so let's talk book differences as I said at the beginning we're really starting to diverge from the book itself uh, so there, there are quite a few although not always comparable uh, in terms of like this happened it, this way in the book and this way in the show so a couple of those niggly things uh, in uh, the book Heath's mother hangs herself rather than driving into a pole which I actually thought was important because of the Peterson father mm. but it does have the same impact um, <clears throat> obviously it's just showing the just depressing nature of grief I wondered if she was going to take other people out with her which well, would have been even yeah, more grief to eat potentially um, mm. I mentioned earlier that Jack doesn't do the weird lamp deer messy thing in the woods thing. Um, it's enough said about that. Um, yeah. The receptionist, our receptionist mate, in the book, oh, she's a bit fucking more grim, to be honest. So she's, I think she's recently mm. divorced. She's pretty skint or poor for the Americans. <laughs> uh, and she's a really, really heavy smoker. So actually what happens in the book is that Holly goes around there and bribes her with cash. Um, I, I don't think the change has any impact either way for me, to be honest. No, no impact. She's kind of nah. neither here nor there. Um, in the book, Holly doesn't have a relationship with Sergeant Andy. <laughs> Sergeant. Whatever his fucking that name is. That is an absolute oh. upgrade. He's a security oh. guard. Yeah, sorry, security Mulk. guard Andy. <laughs> He's a mall cat. Sergeant, um, God. And I, so I think there are certain things... Lieutenant Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Andy! Uh, he, I think in the book there are other things that happen later on, which I will talk about when we get further along in the series, um, that I think they're trying to replicate somewhere here, and it's just a kind of TV HBO version of making you a bit more human or a bit more likeable, going back to that kind of slightly spectrum um, you know, type personality. Now, there are two differences from this episode to what happens in the book that I think are important. So firstly, we don't have a third victim of El Coco in the book. Ooh, so we don't we don't actually go back that far, if that makes sense. Um, 
Not that I remember, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I do not remember there being a kind of further backstory or kind of patient zero or going back to where it began. I actually like it in the show because I think it's it's easier to extrapolate on a story like this over 600 pages than it is over 10 episodes because you can really draw yourself into it. And I actually think it has a really good impact on the show. And I, and I don't know about you guys, but I think without Maria... Do you think just Heath and Terry would have been enough? No, nah. that could just be coincidence. Nah, I think you need to, you need to, yeah, that's coincidence. When you get three things, that's you know, ooh, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah, good. I'm glad you agree. We're mm. on the same page. The other difference is that in the book, the El Coco myth is actually told by Eunice Sablo. Ah, uh, which I is love a, Eunice. Yeah, I know. That's cool. It, um, which she I think makes more sense. Than what happens in the show from random he prisoner have, woman. He could have told Ralph in another well, he did. very low. That's exactly voice. what happens. He tells Ralph. He tells Ralph the story because it's something that he was told as a child. Mm. So yeah. the bo- the bogeyman Elko. Yeah. That, that literally makes much um, more sense. And I think, and you know, you guys by the sounds of it do agree that that as a like a flashback of him being scared as a kid and told that story by his grandma would have been way better than this random woman. Yeah, because it was jarring, like passing her a note. It didn't make any sense. around, just telling her all this stuff. I thought it was creepy, though. Yeah, it's creepy, though, isn't it? It's creepy. I thought it was shot really Eunice, well. It was creepy. I the scene Eunice was. Would have, that would have been better. And, and I think, for me, the reason that this is more important is because that had a massive impact for me in the book, but also that it would give him more of a role, whereas because yeah. he does have a much bigger role in the book, whereas he doesn't seem to here. And I think they're trying to give... They seem to be giving Holly a much bigger role in the show, which I don't necessarily disagree with. But, but he could have told... Ralph and Holly when they were t- together at some yeah. point. Come on, Eunice. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just like Eunice. I, don't know. I quite like Holly on this journey of discovery. Yeah, I, I do enjoy know, her. So it's just interesting like. to see the comparison. Um, listeners, if I have missed anything, um, but differences-wise, please do let us know, again, as Len said, uh, or any Easter eggs that you've got, email us at fancriticalpodcast.com and we will read it out. Speaking of which, Len, you got some listener feedback for us? Um, we do have some listener feedback. Yes, you can email us at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com and let us know your thoughts on The Outsider or anything else. And that is what uh, people have just been doing. They've been doing that uh, last week. They've been doing it the week before. Uh, so we've got some some stacked feedback for everyone. Um, first off, uh, an email from Beth Panico. Um, uh, she says, we know we have a, rate, a system for rating, but is there a limit on questions per email because she has a few um first on episode two on the outsider when mr peterson hung himself there was a long shot on the street uh of the street and it looked like the hooded guy walking away from the house was she just seeing things firstly no you were not just seeing things he was there he was loitering around crazy he's everywhere He's he's about he's loitering about uh she said when do we when do we start podcasting um because she subscribed to the Fan Critical Podcast, uh, but the earliest show that shows up on her feed is the Q&A with Castle Rock Historical Society covering season one. Now, that is actually a very important question. We have just switched hosting providers and our back catalogue is slowly being imported. We have done almost 200 podcasts uh, and we started with Game of Thrones season seven. So what I will say is anyone who's trying to find our old, old episodes, uh, next this time next week, they'll all be there. Um, but right now they are not. Well, you can so find them on our do website. Do not worry about that. Fancritical.com. Uh, you can. You can find them on the website, fancritical.com. Uh, you can also, uh, you know, Spotify. They might still be on Spotify. But right now, uh, the hosting provider still hasn't transferred our back, back catalogue. So just give that another week and that'll be there. If you can, wait that long. Hopefully this will tide you over until then. Uh, Emma, have you, have you read uh, Stephen and Owen King's book, Sleeping Beauty? It was 700 pages of her life. She will not get back. What <laughs> thought about that? I was about to say I haven't, but I might, but not after that review. Um, I'll read that when I get to the end of the Stephen King catalogue because I still haven't finished it yet. But no, I haven't. I'm be interested once I get through to it uh, on some more thoughts from you. Yep. So thanks. Thanks, that Beth. Uh, uh, email from Yoav Shi. Hope I've pronounced that correctly. Uh, this is directed at Emma and Lucy. Hi, Emma and Lucy. Hi. Uh, love Hello. your recap of the show. One thought regarding episode two's King Corner. I don't know if it's an Easter egg or just something in my head, but when Ralph is mentioning that the van followed the Maitlands from Dayton, Howard said that maybe it was haunted. And Alec then answers, yeah, 
My Mother the Car. Well, My Mother the Car was a 1960s TV sitcom <laughs> in which a man finds out that his mother was reincarnated as a car. This sounds amazing. However, I've My Mother the that. Car is also an Arrested Development episode in which Lucille Bluth tries to convince her short memory loss suffering son Michael, portrayed by Jason Bateman, that he was the one driving the car, causing an accident oh, yeah. when trying to hit his brother uh, Go uh, Job. Uh, while in fact it was her driving a vehicle yeah I love yes, that episode very funny. I well, love that show and also, so much we can't... and it's obviously Jason Bateman heavy yeah, yeah and, and we can't so, yeah. help but also say uh, you know re- reincarnated as a car or a possessed car like Christine Christine yeah Christine that was yeah. a really nice spot um, did, did I love an Arrested yeah, Development it... crossover so yeah big fan of that yeah big fan of that um, and thank you for the podcast uh, says you are, you have she so thank You're you welcome. You're welcome. thank you for your email uh, and great spot once again if we, if we miss any easter eggs like that that's a great one let us know um because that definitely has you know some relevance because of jason my mother the car. i'm gonna google it i'm gonna fall down on my mother the car google hole yep yeah See that's, you in a, that's a better one than weird demons <laughs> yeah. so um we have uh some uh, thoughts from one of our long-time listeners len preston len. Uh, oh, great len. podcast uh Nice to have uh, the boys back too. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. You've lost me there, the Len. I'm the afraid. Boys this week. Yeah. What? Which Len's lost you? Um, this version of Holly uh, is different from the book, but I wouldn't call her a completely new creation. At least I've seen no evidence uh, of that, other than the odd mind meld moment <laughs> on the staircase. Mind meld. Yeah. Good point, Len. Um, yeah. Yeah. So good point, Len. Um. Right, here we go. Elizabeth Nikolaevich has, has had this to say, uh, and this is referring to you, Lucy Nemer, and um, some of the some of the stuff that you've been saying in the first two podcasts, I think. Um, <laughs> crap. That sounds uh, a bit so, first, so firstly, there's a, there's a bit of a... Do you remember this bunting situation with the baseball? Yes! Um, I did not really offer a good explanation. Yeah, I mean, I would have... I wish I was on that podcast because I was sitting there going, like, I know we don't know much about baseball, but I know what a bunt is. But um, Elizabeth said, uh, bunting is a bird, a strategy in baseball, a plump baby and decorative paraphernalia. Uh, It looks like Maitland taught Ralph's boy to bunt, uh, used the opposing team to become disoriented and scramble, not not party like it's 1999. (laughs) It's all in the context, not uh, nationality. Um, if it has any meaning at all, perhaps analogous to bunt in baseball because their investigation is disoriented and in disarray. Um, the exact purpose of a bunt is to send the other team in, you know, into disarray. Stephen King is a baseball fan, a successful bunt. You just touch, touch the ball and make it do what you want, not potentially put it directly in the hands of the other team. So I thought that was quite interesting. interesting. Thank you, um, Elizabeth. Very interesting. Um, Ash Wednesday, Emma, Ash Wednesday is, 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 is more prevalent in America than Britain, since America wasn't founded on tribal relations as in Europe. <laughs> um, yeah, true. Religion has, has played a massive role in British history, which historically then binds British and American history together. Uh, and Lucy, Roanoke is relevant in The Outsider as a theme um, because some things can't be explained. Two attempts were made to create a permanent colony in the Roanoke County, North Carolina, by Sir Walter Rayleigh, first led by Lane and the second by John White, both failing with the second called the Lost Colony and is now called Hatteras, a vacation spot of North Carolina. Jamestown is in Virginia and did become the first permanent English colony, not Roanoke. It all remains a mystery. A fascinating one. Careful of those Wikipedia holes have been there. Yeah, we yeah, good stuff though. Thank you for that, Elizabeth. Uh, Anthony Gentle has had this to say: Hi, guys and gals, listening to your old adaptation episodes as I watch the movies, and your episode on apt pupil was amazing. Thank you. So interesting to yeah, finally there you go. some positive feedback for apt pupil. I didn't think anyone listened to it. No, I'm very glad to hear that. I love <laughs> well, doing here that it podcast. Is. Yeah, thanks. Here it is. It's here. It exists. Um, so interesting to learn the book was so much darker than the movie and I love that Emma also thought the homeless guy was Christopher Maloney yes! uh, for a bit as well uh, I said that to my wife and she was like meh so I thought it was just me who thought no, it, it Lol. you are not alone uh, my look- friend you're not alone I like to see another Law and Order SVU aficionado <laughs> listening to our podcast thank you well uh, 
Um, he's looking forward to more King movie and miniseries podcasts. Please do more. Uh, Rose Red, please. That's one of my faves. Ooh, good shout. There will be more in the future um, after The Outsider. Um, that's for sure. Full show. I'll let Emma and Lucy take the reins on which ones we decide to do because... I'm out of ideas. <laughs> oh, I've, but Rose Red sounds ideas. like an option. I've got a list, don't worry. And that list is largely guided for oh, a change yay. from my reading. So you can go and do your movie watching homework. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, and Brooke Bunny has had this yay, to say. Brooke Hello, Bunny. friends. Unfortunately, it appears that Hulu won't be renewing Castle Rock. Oh. And Amazon won't be airing the Dark Tower series, as we all had hoped. Now, I'm not 100% that's true that they're not renewing season three. I need to do a bit more research into that um from what the first things i heard was that they would be doing it but maybe they maybe they won't be um since we'll be short on the new king material once the outsider ends i wonder what the plans are for the podcast going forward i would like to suggest three bad uh, but also somewhat good horror movies that i'd love to hear your opinions on they are 13 ghosts the others Skeleton Key and The Mist, which Gareth hates. Gareth hates The Mist, so that would be actually really <laughs> fun. I Stephen King, though, um, isn't it, The Mist? Or am I thinking of something? No, it is. That's yeah, good. yeah, yeah, Stephen King. Yeah, that's Stephen King. Uh, I, that's so I think I've watched half of the Netflix series. Uh, I've watched the film, the film, not the show. Uh, so according to a news article last week, just to clarify, the fate of the critically acclaimed anthology series Castle Rock has been placed in the uncertain category, according to Hulu's Senior Vice President of Scripted Originals, Ooh. Craig Irwich. Critically acclaimed? Ooh, that's not good. Mm, yes. That's not good. That's not good, team. No. That's not good, team. Um, uh, Brooke has also had this to say. Also, if there's a book I... Uh, I read years ago that details the epic battle between the powers of good and evil after the world is destroyed. I would argue that Swan Song by Robert McGammon beats the stand hands down. If anyone wants to give that a read for a podcast, then I'd be the happiest person in the world. Anyway, just my thoughts and suggestions. Ta for now. I um, I will be taking up that as a list of reading, actually. Um, I've had some really good things about Swan Song, but never read it. Well, there you go. There you and go. That's, that's it for feedback this week. As I said, if you want to get in touch, it's Fan Critical Podcast at gmail.com that is fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com Emma back to you in the studio thank you um, fantastic feedback please do send more in uh, we love it especially when it gets to pad out my reading lists uh, but that is it for this week uh, for Que Viene El Coco uh, but we will be back next week for episode 5 which is titled Tear Drinker which is a horrible play on Grief Eater and etc. Yeah. Um, but keep in touch with us in between on our social media channels, email, etc. And don't forget to check out Patreon and send us your feedback. Uh, but for now, I'd like to say thank you to Lucy and Len. And uh, we will see you guys Cheers. next week. Bye. Bye. Il Coco says bye. <laughs>